Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Again, thank you for all who listen to the podcast. I really appreciate you guys. I love you. Um, this has been amazing. I started this podcast in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm close to 200 episodes. That's amazing. 200 episodes. That's pretty extraordinary. Um, and it's just been a humbling and honor to create content that I care about, and more importantly, to change the narrative for um, men of color and fatherhood, as well as talk about subjects that matter to me, especially like mental health, um, and especially with the holidays, um, a lot of people are going to be alone. So if you get a chance, just send a text or just call someone that you care about to let them know that they're thinking about them. Um, I implore you to use the phrase, question, how's your heart? Does that change the dynamic of the conversation? Um, As well as there's a lot of veterans, men and women who are homeless. So uh, before you celebrate Christmas, if you're out and about, if you see that veteran, um, just acknowledge them. Take the time to talk to them. Get them something to eat. Um, a reality, a lot of those veterans become our invisible people. So for the holidays, take the time to just, just recognize them and, 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 and thank them for their sacrifice. And then another main part I love about this podcast is that I talk about mental health. And to have veterans on the show share their stories and what they're doing to bring awareness um, to mental health has been extraordinary. And I'll keep on doing this with this platform, especially the guests that I had on on the YouTube channel in September. Uh, His name is Joe Greg C. Washington. He's a veteran uh, of the Army, West Point graduate. Uh, football captain at Army and he lost a couple of his friends due to uh, mental health suicide and to honor them and honor many like them he did he he actually walked 1800 miles through 11 states and 25 counties to bring awareness to veteran as well as youth who died from suicide and this is a this is touching to me because again i'm a person that uh deal with mental health and i have my challenges too uh so i hope you guys enjoy the conversation um it's been amazing 2022 i've 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 interviewed people that i would never imagine that i've i would interview and talk to in my lifetime and I have, and I'm just excited to um, what's gonna happen in 2023. Um, but if you want any more information on Greg C. Washington, uh, the link will be in the description below. I love you guys, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy new year, uh, happy Kwanzaa, love you guys, I'm out, peace. So for you, yeah, yeah. 
there whenever it matters And even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you Here but that or I'm behind you But always got you End of discussion Nothing means more First wanna offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world Until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever So don't ever you fret Know that you covered Not a hurdle or a heartbreak A change will partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you Fully loaded, prepare you For all of the above that I'm never letting get near you But still in all, give you every advantage I found Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown And since the baton was passed, I've been down Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Dad Is Not Now. My name is Ishmael. Happy Sunday. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, <coughs> this song was an amazing video by my amazing guest on with me today, Greg C. Washington. How you doing, sir? How you doing? Hey, Ishmael, I'm doing well yourself. I appreciate you having me on. No, thank you for have thank you for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it, man. Um, Walk to Honor, which is a powerful name of what you're doing because you know this month is suicide uh, awareness prevention month and i think one of those stories that haven't been told is the struggle that our veterans are dealing with you know it, sometimes the the scars are um that the veterans are dealing with are hidden and we and we don't see it and so what you did was you went across you know you went through 11 states 1800 mile walk to bring awareness to the story. So again, thank you for coming on. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing good. <laughs> My feet are <laughs> uh, Before we go into the conversation, um, who is Greg C. Washington? So um, I'm, I'm just like you and everyone else. Uh, I'm just someone that cares. I uh, graduated from the United States Military Academy. I was a freshman when 9-11 happened and me and my classmates, we chose to stay when we could have left. Uh, so we knew we were gonna fight. And the reason why we were fighting for was for what our country, what our constitution, what it stands for. And so, you know, I, I asked myself who better to lead our sons and daughter than me and someone that cares. And so, um, I graduated from the service academy in 2005. I was a team captain uh, for the football team while I was there uh, and I branched infantry. And so I was deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq um, where I ended up getting hurt and had to figure out life after the military um, when I got out. And so my transition was tough and I lost my purpose. You know, you, you, you think about 
most service members, we raise our hand to protect and defend this country. Oftentimes we sacrifice our youth, our health, and even love for what we do. And you're prepared for war, but that transition back home or back into your normal life, uh, that is something that, you know, it, it takes, it takes a village to help get reintegrated. And so uh, I got out, I climbed the corporate ladder. I started up my own business. I went back to school and got my MBA from Tulane. And I was trying to figure out, you know, figure out life. Along the way, I lost two of my best friends, Emily Perez and Scotty Pace uh, to war and also sustained injuries myself. And my transition was so bad that I almost took my life. Wow. Um, you, you think about the survivor's remorse uh, because I had promised my two friends that I would have their back. I was their battle buddy and I couldn't do anything to help them. I was too far away. Um, so you had the survivor's remorse. I was waking up in pain every day because of the injuries that I sustained and I questioned my quality of life. <clears throat> and in the middle of me getting ready to make a terrible decision, I got a phone call from my little cousin. And I call her my, my, my angel because that phone call, it saved my life. Wow. And so this past September, <clears throat> I ended up witnessing a teammate of mine that graduated before me. Um, he took his life on Facebook Live. Wow. And it brought me back to a time where, um, to that point, when I had dealt with, you know, with trauma and grief <clears throat> and I wanted to do something, you know, I thought if I was a leader and my transition was that tough, I can only imagine what it's like for others that don't have the resources nor the tribe to get help. So I started the walk to honor uh, ahead of schedule in time because if 22 vets died day by suicide, I couldn't wait another 365 days of planning when, you know, there, there were lives to be affected. So we started in Mount Bayou, Mississippi, walked 11 states from Mississippi to North Carolina, North Carolina to West Point, New York. And every major city that we stopped in, we would host these mental health rallies where we would invite active duty service members, veterans, in different communities to come and talk and have these conversations about mental health, suicide prevention, and how to have, you know, these talks with, especially like with the youth. And so it was very powerful and enlightening because the people that I got to meet along the way, it was life-changing. I was able to walk through all of the different cities and see firsthand the struggles that we go through. And I took those stories to Congress and shared them so that they were made aware of just the state of, you know, where we were at and, and, and the help that's needed. Wow. 
um, and then um, talk about the impact that the plant, the pandemic played, because that's the one thing is while you're going on this journey and you're meeting new people. But before that, we were locked down. We couldn't do anything. Um, so just just talk about that impact of the pandemic of um, basically what did you learn about yourself as 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 a father, um, just as a black man? Um, what ha what did the pandemic? Taught, taught you about yourself that you didn't know about yourself? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, a great question. One of the things that I, I failed to mention, you know, was with the walk, I had my son come out and walk with me. He's 14 year old and uh, he just went into ninth grade. <clears throat> and so over the summer, he was like, dad, you're walking. He was like, man, I'm, I'm coming to walk with you. And so he was excited to come out. Uh, and he got it in. His first day was was tough. He he didn't know what he was expecting. You know, I, I joked with him because it was it sounded like a great idea until you got to walk, you know, six to eight hours a day. And we're doing, you know, 15 to 20 miles a day. And um, he was like, Dad, if you're walking for the veterans, I'm going to walk for the youth. And suicide is the second leading cause of death for our youth in the United States between the age of nine and 19. And so to see him get out at such an early age and, you know, want to walk with dad and we, we got to spend that time and to take his summer to raise awareness for, you know, for our youth, that was a proud dad moment for me. And it was, it was just amazing. We, uh, we got to walk, the great state of Alabama, uh, parts of Georgia and South Carolina, um, in, in North Carolina. Uh, it's funny because he, you know, towards the end of it, he was like, all right, dad, you know, like, when am I going home? I said, well, we'll make it to North Carolina by the 4th of July. He was like, we walked a little more. He was like, so wait, I'm basically walking home. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We got to walk through Alabama and we walked the Selma to Montgomery Civil Rights Trail. Wow. Foot for foot. And I don't think he knows what he did as a 14 year old. Wow. Later in life, he's going to look back and be like amazed because I don't know any other 14 year old that has done that in this modern day, you know, free will. Yeah. So to, have that share that experience with him. I had my dad. My dad was with me from day one. It was amazing, you know, to have that that father son time. You had three generations that were supporting this big cause, and walking through the South. A lot of people ask me why did I pick Mount Bayou, Mississippi, as my starting point. Well, that's my dad's side of the family. That's where he's from. But that was my safe place my safe space. And so when I was figuring out who I am and, and, and regaining myself, I would go to Mount Bayou and unplug and unwind. Um, that's like the, the Black Mayberry, <laughs> if you ever watched the Andy Griffith show. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a beautiful place, the people, because you know everybody knows everyone. It doesn't have a stoplight, you know, you can leave your door unlocked because 
you know, you, you know everyone. Um, but the history, what I found out when I started to learn more about Mount Bayou was that it was one of the first <clears throat> officially recognized towns, black towns in the US. <clears throat> A newly freed slave was allowed to purchase an 800 acre swamp. And his mantra to the other newly freed slaves were, if you could work from sun up to sundown for your master, you can work from sun up to sundown for yourself. That's right. And so I wanted people to know about our history, that there's more than just pain and suffering, that there's grit, there's strength, and there's resilience that they shown to create their own safe space right back then. And so I strongly believe that that is the same grit, resilience, and strength that we need to save ourselves. And so we started at Mount Bayou. Um, it kind of all comes full circle because when I made it to DC, I got to visit the African American Museum and Mount Bayou and Emily are both featured in the museum. Uh, Mount Bayou for being the first official black town. And my best friend, Emily Perez, she was the highest ranking black female to graduate from West Point at that time. And she was also the first black female officer to be killed in war in OIF OEF. And so she was featured in the African American Museum um, as well. And so it was just for us to do this walk this year, it all really just came full circle because I was a freshman when 9-11 happened. 20 years later, the war is ending. And so I got a chance to go back and talk with the freshman class of 9-11 ending. And to my surprise, they had named their basic training after Emily Perez. They named it Task Force wow. Perez. So they knew her name. They knew, you know, her credibility. But when I came and walked up there, they knew and understood the loyalty of the Long Gray Line and what it means to selflessly serve and to have each other's back. And so even though I couldn't keep my promise to my two best friends that I would be there to protect them, I can't keep this promise of making sure that their legacy lives on. And then um, how were you able to get over, because that's the one thing is the, the, the trauma aspect of it, you know, you know, that, 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 the, the idea of telling your friends that I, I got your back and, you know, because you weren't able to be there. So you weren't able to get their back. So how were you able to overcome that? Cause I think that's a part to, to let the uh, audience know is that there's certain things in life you can't control. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, letting go of things you can't control is that one is a way for you to just move on and heal. But, you know, talk about your how you were, were able to heal, even though it's still an ongoing struggle of dealing with mental health, depression. But to that journey, how were you able to just reconcile with yourself personally that it was nothing you could do? No, I, I'm with you and you're absolutely right. And so. And that's the reason why I called, you know, um, this walk, a walk to honor. And I've invited people to start their own journeys to heal because it is a journey there. It's an ongoing journey. You know, you're healing your happiness. Um, 
it's all about the journey. There's no end destination to say, oh, I'm healed or, oh, I'm happy. Uh, it's the process along the way. And so to understand that we are our own worst critics sometimes, right? You individually put a lot of pressure on yourself, a lot of shame and guilt, you know, if you don't perform or underperform, you know, just based on what you do. And so to recognize that we're human, I can only do so much, right? And that some things are out of my control and to give yourself a little grace and mercy along the way, um, that's what helps. And so to understand that it's a new day to still be here uh, because there, there were times when I was numb and I remember being so numb that I didn't feel nothing made me happy. Nothing made me sad. I was just bland. And I remember looking in the mirror and I couldn't even see my face. All I could see were my ghosts. And they were asking me, you know, why, why didn't you do more? Why weren't you there? And all I could say was, I'm sorry. And it would be me standing in the mirror for hours. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish it was me. I wish I could have done more. And it took a point, especially after that phone call of me looking back and saying, okay, look, these are my closest friends. What are they really telling me? Because they wouldn't haunt me. So, so what is it really saying? And so when I answered that question, it wasn't a matter of, you know, why didn't you save us? But what are you going to do now? You know, you have to be able to live and live well in their honor. And so that's that's the biggest key and the biggest part of it. They, they were my why and why I walked all of those miles. And so being able to process what you're going through, understanding that you're human, that you're not going to get everything right and giving yourself mercy and grace, you know, along the way. Uh, helps and just being able to tap into your support because what you're going through you're not the first and you're not going to be the last and so understanding that everyone has a story and that when it comes to dealing with grief whether it's the loss of yourself of what you used to be or the loss of someone close to you it is something that should be a shared, like a shared community. It's nothing that you should have to like shoulder alone. And that's and that's powerful and that's deep. And one of the quotes that you said, I'm probably paraphrasing, but the quotes that you gave to ESPN, which I think was uh, powerful, is that people die twice, you know? Um, they die um, eventually, you know, when they pass away. And then when they speak their name, when you speak their name. Yes. Like, talk about that. What does, what that, what does that mean? So being able to take the grief that you're dealing with and make it manageable for you on a daily basis. So a person dies twice, once in the physical form and the last time their name is spoken. And so... 
I have classmates, I have friends, and even myself, it used to be very hard for me to even say their names because of how much the, the grief, how much it weighed on me. And to be able to share, to know that they're gone, you know, in the physical form, but to be able to say their name and share their story and who they were with others, um, that's a way to help make sure their legacy lives on. And so along the way, I, as I meet people, um, I invite them to honor one person, one or two people um, that they would like to make sure their legacy lived on one more day. And it's a beautiful thing because a lot of folks don't look at it like that. And so when you are able to speak that person's name and know that their legacy lived on one more day and to be able to incorporate that grief into your life in a positive way, it's empowering. No, and it definitely is. And I know like the word breathe, the Latin word is to inspire. And when you breathe, you breathe into existence. And by saying that person's name, you're you 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 let you you're letting the world know that they exist, and you know they played a critical role in your life, and I think and I think that's important too. Um, but also talk about you know through your journey with the wall, tell me like one of the most um one of the stories that kind of stick out to you through your journey through that walk of maybe a person you met or a town you were in that kind of touched you in a way that you never forget even though everyone you meet you may forget their names but it's that one moment at a time where you're like this is going to stick out for the for like until the to to the day i, I passed away yeah um <clears throat> I have a couple, but I'll, the, the most impactful one, another vet, I had came home to Fayetteville, North Carolina, I was passing through, and, um, and it was a vet, I saw all the signs. I asked him, man, come, come get on the bus, like, just take two weeks, 30 days, just for yourself. I was like, you don't have to worry about anything. Food to be taken care of, you know, like like you're you're good. I got you. And he said, "Gee," he said, "Ma'am, let me take care of this, you know, this court stuff. Let me figure out what was going on, you know, with my old lady." And he was like, "I'll catch up with you." I saw all the signs. The top three risk factors or increased risk factors of suicide is isolation toxic relationship and financial stress. Most people can handle two out of the three, but when you're dealing with all three, that weight get a little more heavy. And so he told me he would catch up with me. And it hadn't even been 20 days. I got a phone call one morning, right as I was uh, getting ready to start walking. <laughs> Cousin called me, he said, man, he said, gee, they found Eric, he overdosed the night before. 
Wow. And so he passed. And so that weighed heavy on me because it's, it's, if you knew an 1800 mile walk would save your life, would you walk it? And so that day it was, it was heavy. That was the toughest day. I mean, I was physically in shape, having already walked all those miles up and down, but that day, every step that I took was so heavy and I had to walk some extra miles just to, to, to get that off. And I had to remind myself that I'm only human. I can't make him walk his journey. He has to walk it himself. And that's for anyone. But what I will say is when you're going through something, you have to be able to set boundaries for yourself, healthy boundaries. And I'll give examples. If I get upset or I'm feeling some kind of way, call a friend, say, hey, look here, hold my guns. So I don't do something stupid. If I drink, right, if I had a bad day, before I drink, I ask myself, why am I drinking? If I'm drinking to numb the pain or to forget, then guess what? I don't drink. Your drug of choice is not going to find you or give you comfort. You're not hurting someone by abusing yourself. Oh, I'm going to show you and just take your life. That day was so hard because I mean, he was such a good person. He had been battling his habits. He'd been trying. And, um, and it was just one of those tough things um, that even now, you know, it's still, it bothers me, but it's something that I'll process and I'll never let go because it's part of my journey. And so to be able to share that with other folks, um, you know, it's, it's being able to take, being able to go from a victim to a survivor, to your own hero. And so just like they say with, with math, they say, you don't know math until you can teach it to someone else, that lesson. And so being able to take your story, to take your pain and understand it and know it and be able to heal from it to the point where you can help someone else along their way. Um, that's what it's been. And so I took those lessons that I learned, especially with him, and I started talking to other people about having boundaries when, when we're going through. And so that, that's, that was the biggest impact. Uh, my toughest day was also um, when I had started. I had a state that had went through my shoe and started to pierce my heel. And it was hot. And I mean, it was like this 
12 to 17 percent grade incline that we were having to go up and i hadn't talked to anybody for days you know i was just this guy on the side of the road didn't know i was walking my family sacrificed their time and effort to you know to help with this and i asked the universe you know why why am i doing this and i got to the top of the hill and as i got to the top uh, this young lady, she saw, you know, the, the banner from the truck and she stopped and you see my dad point over and like, he's over that way. And she turns around, jumps out the car and she's like, I lost two already. And my husband has severe PTSD. I might lose him as well. Keep walking. Wow. Thank you for what you're doing. And she gave me this big hug and she cried. She was only like this, you know, she, she was this tall and she wet up my shirt. But at that point I knew that I, I had to keep walking, that I couldn't stop it. It, it was bigger than me. Um, one of the things that I did learn is something about gaining support, right? From people that, you know, understand the cause and and are supportive of it. It's another thing to be undeniable. When your purpose, when your cause, when you're so passionate about something and how you move, it becomes undeniable, even to your quote unquote haters, you have to be acknowledged. And so that's one of the things that I learned about myself along the way. Because when you walk, when you make so much noise that you have to be heard, that's when, you know, that's when you have power. That's when the power comes in. Um, and so I, I'm just, I'm thankful, one, and all I kept saying is if I could just save one life, every step from here to there would be worth it. Just one life. And I, and, and I think what you're doing is amazing. And, and I think the cause is phenomenal. And anything you need on my side, I'm, I'm there for you. You know, real talk. Um, this is the first time we're actually face to face. And I just want to let you know, I love you, brother. I I'm not, I'm not afraid to say I love you, brother. I love what you're doing. I'm here for you. Um, I want to say thank you for Boy for bringing us together because this story needs to be ampl amplified. I think it needs to be out there. I think people need to share their stories. I think the the vital thing is to tell you know our brothers and sisters it's okay to say I'm not okay and, and and share your story. And I thank you for sharing your story. Um, how can people find you? How can people help? Yes. So every day I post my journey and all the people that I meet along the way. So uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you look up Greg C. Washington, uh, you'll find me. Um, and my website is gregcwashington.com. Click on a wall to honor. And you'll be able to um, see everything that we've done from day one to now. And so you can uh, support from there. 
um, financially or sign up to get um, newsletters and notifications of upcoming events that we're going to be doing in the near future. So the walk, that journey, that was the kickoff to what's coming. And so uh, we're going to keep pushing because I just need to save one more life. <laughs> that's right. And, and, and that's what's important about what I do here is I try to create this platform to talk about changing the narrative for men of color and fatherhood, but just changing the narrative of things that we care about in a society. And I think the most important and one of the important things is to make sure the well-being, the mental and the health of our veterans are taken care of. Brother, thank you for jumping on. I appreciate you. Um, anything that's going on, you're always welcome to come back on anytime, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, brother. And we're out. Peace. Don't you worry, honey. His reindeer have radar noses. He'll make it. <laughs>